What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome, bike, to the channel. Welcome, bike, to probably the last waiver wire video of the year because it's officially chip week. It's officially chip week. Thus, we don't give a fuck about the waiver wire next week. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. While we're on the subject of chips, Doritos just announced that they will be bringing bike the 3D Doritos. So, welcome bike to the channel. My name is Nicholas. This is BDG. Big dogs got to eat fantasy football. Welcome bike to the headquarters. If you are here hanging out, that probably means you're in the chip. You're in the chip. Made a few appearances in the big dance. Ain't nothing better. I'll tell you what. Week 15 feels a lot shittier than week 16. I feel like I have a lot more anxiety in week 15. It ain't easy to win those semifinal games, man. It ain't fucking easy. It's harder to bring back 3D fucking Doritos, though. And I actually feel like Snacks played a part in that. He, like, literally harassed them. He called them every single day. Harassed the shit out of them. And they're bringing a bike. And they actually quote tweeted him today. If you go look at Snacks on Twitter right now, at Snacks underscore BDGE, the man literally got quote tweeted by Doritos. And I'm pretty sure he's the reason that they're bringing a bike. Okay. Enough chip talk on the actual chip front. Let's talk championships. Let's talk injuries. Let's talk waiver wires. Let's talk about some heartbreaking losses yesterday. Let's talk about some some of the good. We've got a lot to talk about today, okay? Everyone in? Everyone in? We chilling? We chilling? We chilling? What's good? What up, Zach? What up, Jacob? Koenig? Harry? Joe? Kent? Martini B? I like that name. It's got a little swag to it. Can you get snacks to bring bike shredded chicken at Taco Bell, please? They took away chicken at Taco Bell? Shredded chicken? What kind of fucking move is that? All right. How did Animal do in the Scott Fishbowl? Uh, he's going to end up finishing second. He needed to finish first in points scored in his entire conference, which is 12 people. I believe he's going to finish in second because Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro both put him up about zero. But I don't even think with a really good quarterback he would have advanced. Came up really fucking close, but didn't get there, unfortunately. Okay, so something to note here. This is a weird week when it comes to schedules because it's the holiday week, right? We got Christmas Eve on Thursday. We got Christmas Day on Friday. So there's no Thursday night football. There is, however, a Friday game. There's Minnesota versus the Saints at 4.30 Eastern time on Friday. Okay, so be aware when we're talking about some of these injured players, when we're talking about guys that are questionable, some of them have two days fewer, two days less. Some of them have a day less because we also have Saturday games. Okay, so we got Friday at 4.30 Eastern time. We got three Saturday games. I don't know where the fuck they get off throwing three Saturday games. They should have done two on Friday, two on Saturday. They gave us three Saturday like it's fucking Thanksgiving in here. I guess there's a lot to be thankful for. We're almost done with 2020. So we have Tampa Bay at Detroit, 1 o'clock. San Fran at Arizona, 4.30. Miami at Las Vegas, 8.30. So again, just plan accordingly. And with the Las Vegas Raiders there, the last team on the schedule, big news here because we have the single highest scoring fantasy quarterback on the waiver wire. He's available on your waiver wire. Yes, we're talking about Marcus Mariota right now. Fantasy points per game, single highest scoring quarterback in fantasy football right now. Derek Carr's cock fell off, okay? He's going to be out for a week, maybe two, maybe more. I don't know. Mariota honestly stepped in and quite possibly played the best F of football that I've ever seen him play, at least dating back to like 2017. And then, you know, unsurprisingly, uh, Twitter started thirsting for him to have like a starting job next year. Like fantasy, fantasy Twitter like really never fails to be pathetic regardless 17 of 28 226 through the air one touchdown one interception big part of this of course is the ground game Mariota's an athlete okay no matter how shitty he's been at quarterback he's an athlete nine rushes 88 yards and a tug which makes him intriguing for fantasy okay they get the Dolphins at home week 16 so again that's a Saturday night game prime time Mariota does he complete the comebike does he put together two good games in a row on prime time, so everybody could see, and someone signs him to an egregious contract contract in the offseason. 
Wouldn't hate him to be my backup quarterback, honestly, behind like Matt Ryan and the Falcons next year. Wouldn't hate that. However, they are tough on the pass, okay? And actually, I'd have to look at the – actually, it definitely didn't go the right way after a game against the Patriots. Dolphins' pass defense, okay, are the only team in the entire NFL whose touchdown-to-interception ratio allowed is tied or in the negative. Actually, I need to check on that right now and see – what cam did yesterday i don't think cam threw any picks but i'm gonna get back to that stack because i think it's really uh it's really telling of how fucking good this defense has actually played through the air no no picks for cam so they're still at 16 to 16 so what i mean by that allowing touchdowns and interceptions the touchdown to interception ratio allowed from this miami defense is 16 to 16 every other team in the nfl has allowed more touchdowns than interceptions to their opposing teams. Okay. Maybe Mariota just needed to change the scenery, but I'm also not just about to throw four and a half years sample size out the window. He will probably end up in my rankings in like the quarterback 15 to 20 range. So probably not a guy you want to stream in your fantasy championship, but he's definitely like usable and super flex. If you are desperate at this point, let's keep moving down the injuries. James Robinson, here's the big one. Looks like a high ankle sprain. Looks like he's going to miss time. He's very, 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 I'd almost say 100% out for championship week. If you ain't playing fantasy championship weeks, I mean, James Robinson looks like a bust to me. Bust to me. Bust. Bust all you guys that picked him up on free agents. Yannick, if you still have him in Dynasty, I was just dropping him at this point. You can't play in the chip week, you're a bust. You're a bust. What's going to happen behind James Robinson? He's basically taking like 1,000% of the running back touches in his bike field. So we don't really know what the fuck's going to happen. On Sunday, Dari Dare Angumbuwale, Agunbuwale had two carries for 17 yards. No other running back touched the ball. They play Chicago next week. So it's not a, it's not a matchup we're excited about. Maybe it's Devino Zigbo because Devino Zigbo was the guy who got some touches a couple weeks ago. They did come out and say that James Robinson was probably getting a little bit worn down and they're starting to move the touches around to other running backs a little bit. But that means like James Robinson gets 20 and the other running backs get like three. So we still don't have an idea of who takes over. Regardless, I feel like it's going to end up being some kind of committee in a terrible matchup on a bad offense, okay? So the way I'm looking at it, there's nobody I'm going to be starting in this backfield, unfortunately. So it's a big hit to James Robinson owners, man. Luckily, there are some other injuries on the waiver wire at running back. So y'all can pick up a, a few plug and play guys here. I do want to talk about the Saints receivers for a second, though. Michael Thomas out indefinitely. Um, Emmanuel Sanders led the team in receiving yards. Five targets, four catches, 76 yards, thanks to a 51-yard catch. Drew Brees looks like he literally has a piece of spaghetti for an arm at this point. Uh, Traquan Smith, I believe, came up on the injury report afterwards with uh, with an ankle injury. So it's possible that they're down Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith, which obviously makes Sanders and Kamara kind of and, and Jared Cook kind of like a target funnel there. Um, so Sanders led the team with receiving yards. Kamara led the team in targets with six of them. They get the Vikings' brutal secondary. Uh, a team that just allowed 33 points to the Bears. And uh, that's mostly in thanks to David Montgomery, obviously. But still, they're still bottom five in the NFL in terms of fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. So Sanders is going to be a viable flex play next week against the Vikings. Although it's it's kind of hard to trust anyone at all. Like, I don't feel good about it, but I think he's definitely someone that you can get into your lineup because there's no one else there. CEH. CEH. My guy twisted his back and his hip. He twisted all types of shit. Like he was he was playing Twister and my man was trying to win. Okay. That's what it looked like. He was not coming out of that Twister game with an L. So he's got like an ankle. He's got a hip. He was tackled in like an awkward position. All we know, he he's definitely out until the end of fantasy football, right? He's probably out until the NFL playoffs start. Best case scenario. Le'Veon Bell filled in. Now, Le'Veon Bell's been fucking terrible this year, okay? Le'Veon Bell's been really bad, but he played well in this game, and we know the situation. I don't have to explain this to you in the Kansas City Chiefs offense behind Patrick Mahomes. 15 carries yesterday, 62 yards, got into the end zone, one catch for 14 yards. I did. I thought Le'Veon Bell kind of got banged up at the end of it, but I haven't heard anything since, so it seems like it's not anything serious, but keep an eye on reports there because Darrell Williams would be the, the bike up to the bike up here. But if Bell's good to go, um, I, I think he'll still be a risky running back too, in my opinion. Okay. So they play the Falcons next who are a bad matchup for running backs, but bell can catch the ball. Um, though this seems like a, a game against the Falcons. It seems like Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey mo might both catch six touchdown passes. 
This might be a game where Patrick Mahomes goes for 550 yards. Six deep balls to Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey finishes with the most receptions in a game by a tight end of all time. 22 for 271, six touchdowns. And Le'Veon Bell probably goes like 12 for 34 on the ground. He'll be a risky RB2. He's obviously a priority add. Um, but I don't think he's locked in as a gorgeous play, man. I just I just think we know what Le'Veon Bell is at this point. Not a very good running back, but he's going to get some good opportunity and a very good offense. Maybe he falls into the end zone. Maybe not. If he doesn't, we're probably looking at a disappointing day. But you could obviously do worse. You could also do worse than Jeff Wilson, man, because Raheem Mostert re-injured his ankle. Uh, now, Raheem Mostert came into the game coming off of like an ankle sprain that they said he was good to go. He started rolling. I mean, he was like the only dude that was touching the ball in the beginning of that game. And I started Jeff Wilson in the E-Town get-down matchup, which, yes, I lost. That shit hurts a lot. Snacks beat me by, I want to say, 139 to 132. Fucking, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. I don't want to, like, wear my emotions on my sleeve right now. I don't want to start crying. I don't want to start talking shit to Snacks. I'll wait until we film Fade the Public tomorrow to really start crying and let the tears flow. But he beat me. Beat me fair and square. We need to bring the belt bike to the fucking show, all right? So I'll be rooting for Snacks next week. Even though I fucking hate him. God damn it, Snacks, you piece of shit. Jeff Wilson was in my flex, though. I don't blame Jeff Wilson. He put up like 12 and a half, 13 points, whatever, because Raheem Mostert got hurt, and then it was all Jeff Wilson from there on out. Ended up getting into the end zone. Uh, I want to say he saw like 14 carries or something, ran pretty well on it, and he'll be the guy going forward if Mostert is out, okay? They play at Arizona. Um, 16 carries for 60 yards. That's what he did. He got the goal line carries. He didn't catch a single pass, but he was targeted four times. He was targeted four times. Coleman got three carries, zero targets. McKinnon got zero carries, two targets. Okay. So behind him, they've got like a mess of some breather backs. Okay. And I don't expect either of those guys to be heavily involved. They like Jeff Wilson a lot and he's shown already that he can handle the load. He's going to get a lot of valuable touches. The ones on the goal line. So I'm going to be all in on Jeff Wilson next week. If Raheem Ossert is ruled out. Um, even if he's not ruled out, like he's going to be far, far less than 100% going into the game. And I think you could probably roll with Jeff Wilson as a nice flex play. Now, Jeff Wilson, just like Le'Veon Bell, well, what I, I'm probably making up lies about Le'Veon Bell, who's not actually injured, but Jeff Wilson is actually injured. Okay. Or he got banged up a little bit dealing with an ankle and hamstring injury. 49ers say he is fine after the hamstring issue. We tend to agree in his high. This is from profootballdoc.com. We tend to agree in his high ankle sprain seems very mild. Uh, he did have a high ankle sprain earlier in this year. His hamstring strain from late in the game is hard to judge, but we will see if he's going to play in week 16. I think Jeff Wilson is fine, but obviously stay very close to the reports on this one. Damian Harris was a really random healthy, uh, not healthy scratch, but a really random sit in this one. I don't like, I, I didn't even know he was like banged up at all. Uh, Sonny Michelle, 10 carries, 74 yards. He actually didn't look terrible, which is like the first time in about three years since they drafted him. But you don't want anyone in this in this fucking in this offense, man. If Har if Harris is is in play next week versus the Bills at home, I think you can maybe flex him. But like, god damn, this I, I'm shocked that they didn't sit Cam yesterday. I'm shocked that they didn't bench him. If they had like anything resembling an NFL quarterback at this point. Cam would be benched, and if Cam's benched, like I don't want to trust anything on that fucking backfield they got going on for the Patriots. Uh, I think those are mostly injuries. I do think Nick Mullins is probably out for next week, but like Nick Mullins, CJ Bathard, is there really like a fucking difference at this point? It's just like the Spider-Man meme between Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo, CJ Bathard, Bethard, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, George Kittle, maybe he's back. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what the fuck he's doing. Him and Kenny Galladay are enjoying their vacation together. I tweeted this out earlier. I was like, what what, uh, what resort do you think Kenny Galladay is staying at for his, his vacation? Because at this point, he ain't doing shit. He's enjoying his life. And the Gall the Galladay Inn was probably the best answer I heard, even though I've, I feel like I've probably heard that many times. It just worked much better in this situation because I was asking what resort he stayed at, but I'm, shh, okay, let's move on. Guys that are good to go. Guys that you might have heard were banged up, but were fine, finished the game. Uh, Stefan Diggs with the foot, he got like carted off, but he's good to go. DK Metcalf came out of the game for a second, also good to go. Cam Akers, Cam Akers, let's talk about Cam Akers. Obvious letdown day here by, by Akers. Uh, but the Rams lost to the fucking Jets. The Rams lost to the fucking Jets. And I don't know what was more heartbreaking. Uh, the Rams not going, or the Jets not going on 14 or Animal not going on 14. I mean, personally to me, obviously I'd much rather see Animal just go fucking completely winless. Maybe even carry it into next year. But the Jets, like how fucking dumb do you need to be? If you're not going to fire Adam Gase after this, 
he's there forever. He's locked in. His tenure is going to be his tenure is going to be ten years. Adam Gase, congrats on the job security, my friend. So now, uh, as long as the Jags lose out, they will get the number one pick and they will get Trevor Lawrence. Although you know Justin Fields, there are plenty of good quarterbacks still left in the draft. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was fucking Trevor Lawrence. So Cam Akers, they lose to the Jets. He ran it. He ran efficiently. He had a bunch of fantasy points, called back touchdowns, big runs, whatever. Should have been a very big day. Akers left the first half with an ankle injury. Like as soon as that shit popped up, everyone was like, "Oh fuck." And he missed a lot of the first half, but he came bike into the second half. He played 88.5% of the snaps in the second half. I'm going to throw up some usage statistics on Mr. Cam Akers right here for you. Over the last two games, Cam Akers has handled 92% of Rams running back carries and has a reasonable 10% target share. His percentage of backfield carries over opportunity over the last three weeks, 78%, 94%, 88%. Y'all could see it on thy screen. He is averaging 24 opportunities per game, while Henderson and Brown are both at less than three and a half per game utilization report from week 15 this is with him missing time with him injured with him in the locker room he got 84 percent of the running back carries 48 percent of the routes run 61 percent of the snaps again he left 50 percent of the short down distance 100 percent of the carries inside the five yard line etc etc 57 percent of the no huddle snaps which is good to see so hopefully hopefully the rams are in a bounce bite game next week because they play, who the fuck do they play? I believe they actually play the Seahawks or the 49ers. Am I just making shit up? Um, Rams play the Seahawks. They play at the Seahawks. Uh, Cam Akers, again, like I just, the utilization and everything there just screams that you have to have them in. You have to have them in. Is this real blurry right now? Is the camera coming in super blurry? Like, how's the quality of this video right now? Because through my software, it looks fucking fantastic. But when I look on YouTube, it looks kind of shitty, man. It looks kind of shitty, man. I feel disrespected. No, it's fine. Oh, I look beautiful? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Camera crisp. Hell yeah, like them 3D chips, baby. Okay, let's continue moving down my list. Uh, so other guys, again, that I said not to worry about for next week, Cam Akers, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs. Speaking of Stefan Diggs, they play the Patriots next week. Uh, Stefan Gilmore is going to be out for that game. Non-contact knee injury. Sounds serious. They play the Patriots. Patriots play the Bills. Stefan Diggs, high-end wide receiver one, locked and loaded. Another cornerback that got hurt this weekend, Carlton Davis of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. I know he hasn't been good and everyone's going to remember the game that he had against Tyreek Hill, but... But, so I was like a whole family just stopping and looking at me right now. I'm like a fucking clown here. I'm, I'm like in a circus. Um, prior to that, Carlton Davis was easily their top cover cornerback. He actually might end up being a, a Pro Bowl cornerback. And there's a, a very good likelihood, very high likelihood that he ends up being a Pro Bowl cor- cornerback this year. So yes, he's gotten embarrassed on national television, but he's good more often than he's not. He pulled a groin and could not return to the game. Usually a groin is, is something that you'll miss a week with. Uh, so monitor those reports quick, uh, pretty fucking in depth. And the reason I bring it up is because Marvin Jones, man, Marvin Jones went 16 straight weeks without a 100 yard receiving game. He now has two in his last three. Again, the Lions play the Bucks in week 16. This is a Saturday game. They have allowed the second most fantasy points, the Buccaneers, two wide receivers over the last five weeks. They're allowing a shit ton of quarterback success and wide receiver success. And again, they might be without their top cornerback in Carlton Davis so you've got to feel pretty fucking good about Marvin Jones being in your lineup next week okay y'all know what time it is y'all know what time it is I've got some good segments coming up for the rest of the show I really went in deep today took a fucking Adderall and now and then we went down many rabbit holes many Addy holes we'll call it did that work bitch Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Salvin Ahmed. Salvin Ahmed. Now, the Miami Dolphins bike field is wildly interesting to me, okay? Let's throw this tweet from Cameron Wolf, one of the beat reporters in Miami, up on the screen for you. Come on, Nicholas. You're better than this. Be prepared. Fucking do it for a living. Y'all should fire me. 
Salvin Ahmed becomes the Dolphins' first 100-yard rusher since December 2018. Kalen Balaj, what a fucking duo of names. 31-game streak ended and a great time for it. Matt Breda, 14 yards away from joining him and making it two 100-yard running backs. That's pretty impressive, actually. So this is what's crazy, man. Um, I'm going to throw this thread up on the screen as well because I want to talk about the situation a little bit more, rather not just from a season-long standpoint, but from a dynasty standpoint as well and just like the Miami Dolphins overall. So discounting weeks one and two, because I think at the beginning of the year, like we as as well as the team, like didn't know what we were going to get from Jordan Howard, from Matt Breda, from Miles Gaskin. Like we didn't know who the guy was. So I discounted weeks one and two when it was a complete timeshare there. From weeks three through the rest of the season, in games where Miles Gaskin has been active, he's averaged 22 opportunities a game. So we're talking about carries plus targets. He's been fewer than 21 opportunities once. In games that Salvin Ahmed has been active and Gaskin hasn't, he's averaged 18.3 opportunities a game. Fewer than 18 once. So the way I'm looking at this is it's clear that Flores wants to use one stallion, one workhorse, one thoroughbred, taking most of the touches. It's one of the most intriguing storylines of the offseason when it comes to Dynasty. And it will be super intriguing when season long rolls around because whoever is in the backfield taking the touches is probably going to get a very, very hefty workload. This is, you know, at least an average offense. And by next year, they'll probably be above average, if not very, very good. They held off drafting a running back this year, right? A lot of people wanted, you know, J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift to go to Miami because they had a lot of draft capital. It didn't happen. This year, they have two firsts, two seconds, a third, fourth, and a fifth. So I would be very shocked if within those seven picks, they didn't come away with one one running back. Though, you know, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, I think Gaskin and Ahmed have both been really fucking good. And I think they've earned their keep in a sense. I think that they've earned the chance to, retain their starting role when either one of them is fucking active. I think both of them have been very good in their own right. However, it does seem like the reason, you know, Jordan Howard was active a couple of weeks ago and got like 10, 11 carries over Salvin Ahmed, who was a little banged up, but maybe they want a thumper added into the mix. But what, what, what might happen, the upside in dynasty, you know, you, you want to, you want to think about upside when you're talking about dynasty, because guys with huge upside don't come around very often and situations with huge upside don't come around very often, especially when it comes to running backs. So the way I'm looking at it is this, like, what if Brian Flores ends up being the next, like Mike Tomlin, right? Where regardless of which running back is the starting running back, you know, it's not going to be a committee, right? Like the, uh, the opposite of what they do in Detroit when fucking Matt Patricia was there. DeAndre Swift, stand the fuck up, baby. Daryl Bevel knows what he's doing. He runs with a workhorse. Now we're looking at Miami. Does Brian Flores operate the same way? If the answer is yes, I don't know if the answer is fucking yes. Up to this point in the season, the numbers that I just dropped for you, Miles Gaskin getting 22 opportunities a game, Salvin Ahmed getting 18 to 19 opportunities a game when they're the starter. The evidence points to yes so far. The upside is yes. If that's the case, whoever ends up being the starting running back for the Dolphins is going to have a ton of fucking upside in 2021 and going forward. Are they going to draft a running back? I don't fucking know. Everyone's going to be talking about, this is going to become the narrative, I bet, already. I have a lot of narratives that I'm thinking about that I'm going to start fucking throwing out early in the offseason so when they start ramping up, this happens every summer. I have a lot of narratives that I run with and I do them really early and then I kind of forget and then I hear them popping up in like July, August. I'm like, that's fucking nonsense because it came from the horse's mouth first, okay? This will be one of them. The Dolphins' backfield will be one of, if not the most intriguing dynasty storyline of the offseason. Everyone's going to start mocking Najee Harris there. Everyone's going to start mocking Travis Etienne there, which would be cool. We don't know. We know that they've they've already drafted one year smartly and, and didn't take a running back early. So they probably have a process there for the rebuild. And it's going really fucking well. And I'd imagine maybe they continue that process smartly. So we probably don't see a top running back fall to Miami or go to Miami. But running backs also drop in drafts sometimes, right? Jonathan Taylor, second, a lot of these really, really good running backs. Taylor, Swift, they, like all these guys are day day two picks. So I'm really intrigued to see what happens there. From a season-long standpoint for right now for the championship, we don't know what's going on in this backfield because it all depends on Miles Gaskin, right? He's been off the roster because of COVID. He actually had COVID. He tested positive for it, okay? I cannot sit here and say with any clue whether or not Miles Gaskin is going to be biked. He is eligible to return. He can come, he can, he can be in there for week six. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But who knows? And again, so far this year, when it's Gaskin uh, active, it's his backfield. When it's not, it's Ahmed's. This is a 9-5 and team fighting for the playoffs. So whoever they think actually gives them the best chance to win, whoever is operating as the best back, whoever's the most healthy, is going to be the one who gets the touches and gets the starting role. Okay? We don't know, though. This is one of those things you're going to have to... Keep an eye on reports super closely. Both of them have to be owned because whoever is a starter is probably going to get the 20-plus touches in this one. Uh, monitor the situation very, 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 very closely. Okay? Welcome, Bike, to Brandon Cooks. Led the Texans wide receivers. Wide receivers, very important point there. In snaps, in targets with seven, catches with six, yards 59. Hanson and Kiki both scored, unfortunately, for Cooks owners. Uh, but they get the Bengals next week, who have been surprisingly okay against opposing wide receivers, but I'm not worried about the matchup. I think Cooks can get Bike into your lineup as a flex play. He'll still be Deshaun Watson's number one target on the outside. Obviously, I don't feel as comfortable with him because all of these guys are playing well and getting opportunity and stuff like that, but I still think he is he is the one there. He's obviously not Will Fuller. Rest in peace, Will Fuller. It's where my season went fucking downhill. But staying, with on the te- staying within the Texans, on the Texans, the absolute GOAT trade. Moving DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. It's unbelievable that that happened. Was that this year? That honestly might have been the worst thing that's happened in 2020. Bill O'Brien, how do you feel? You did the worst thing that happened in 2020. You did it, Bill. You did it. Different country didn't do it. A doctor didn't do it. A virus didn't do it. It was you, Bill. It was you. I guess it paid off for this game. David Johnson, active, 8 for 27 on the ground. Terrible. What else is fucking new? But but 11 targets, 11 catches, 106 yards through the air. There was no Duke Johnson in this one, okay? He was a scratch. He, was a, a, he wasn't healthy, obviously. He's not a scratch. I don't know if you can call people who are just hurt a scratch. We're calling him fucking, he was scratched, scratched out, okay? They are eliminated from the playoffs, so probably no rush to get Duke Johnson back onto the field. Uh, it's still weird that he had 11 targets, 11 catches, considering he had zero catches over the last two games. Uh, again, they play Cincinnati next week, so it's a very good matchup for David Johnson. I feel much more confident seeing what he did in this one without Duke Johnson than I did prior to it. So I think he'll be, you know, a solid RB2 for your lineup. Um, but he's still fucking old-ass David Johnson. I guess welcome back to Leonard Fournette. It was his backfield completely. 45-68 snaps, McCoy played 12, and Keyshawn Vaughn played 10. He ran 22 routes to Shady's 10 and Keyshawn Vaughn's three. He wasn't efficient at all, but he scored twice. And he's getting the goal line work. He's running the most routes. They get the Lions on Saturday who are just fucking so bad against fantasy running backs, okay? We don't know what Rojo's status is for week 16. If he is back, I assume he takes over the starting role again. He's got the finger thing going on. He was on the COVID list, so he's got a lot going on. Um, If he is back, I think he takes over the starting role. And I think Ronald Jones will be a nice RB2 play against the Lions. I think Fournette moves to a risky flex play. If you want to get cute and be like, oh, this is such a bad defense that they're going against that you could use both running backs. I'm not really about to risk my championship on it. Uh, if Rojo misses the game, though, I think Fournette should be pretty much a rock solid RB2 uh, in week, week, week 16 against Detroit, who I think has probably RB1 upside in that one. So I'd get him in your lineups if Rojo is out again. Let's talk about another um, storyline here that I kind of popped off on, on Twitter for. Let's talk about, let's talk about drugs, kids. We love them here. Now let's talk about Tony Pollard. Pops off like 31 fantasy points or something. Something Zeke hasn't done. I don't think since like 2018, 12 for 69, two touchdowns on the ground, catches six and nine targets for 63 yards. This is a real thing. I'm going to throw this up on the screen for you right now. 
And if I was ready, I wouldn't have to announce that I was doing it because I would have just fucking done it, but I can't figure out how to do it. <sighs> I'm so dramatic. How y'all doing out there? Hit the fucking thumbs up button, please. It's like clockwork. I got to yell at you guys all the time. I don't like, you know, I don't like yelling. Ezekiel Elliott's contract expires in 2027. That's real. That's real. Ezekiel Elliott's contract might outlive the next pandemic that we have. Okay. He signed through 2026. It's an absolutely egregious contract. Okay. But here, here's the thing. Okay. We'll, we'll start off by saying, obviously, if Zeke is out again next week, Tony Pollard, surefire, starting him up, RB1. No doubt. Of course. So that's all I want to talk about for season long. I want to talk about Dynasty, though, for a second. Okay. Because as we're getting to the end of the year, we're going to start focusing on offseason things. We're going to start focusing on Dynasty and rookie drafts and things like that. So we need to start looking at it from a different vantage point. Okay. I know Mike and Noah have been doing their thing with Dynasty, but don't forget. Don't forget, I fucking dabble, okay? So this is what I'm thinking about with Zeke. And this is going to be unpopular. You're ho- you're holding him right now. You're going to hold him, okay? Don't sell him for nothing. And here's the reason why. When you look at things that matter in fantasy and things that don't matter, here's how we break this down. Things that matter for fantasy, things that don't matter for fantasy is that you think Tony Pollard is better than Zeke, okay? Things that don't matter. What you and I think about Zeke's contract. Things that do matter. What Dallas plans on doing with Zeke next year. That is the only thing that matters, okay? Again, he is signed through 2026. So he's going to be on Dallas for a long time. They have like an out three or four years down the road where they could save like $6 million, but that doesn't fucking matter for right now. Before Dak Prescott went down, Zeke was very fucking good for fantasy, okay? Five games, 26.2, 19.2, 14.8, 14.5, 23. That is 19 half PPR fantasy points per game, which right now would be the RB4 in fantasy. With Dak under uh, under center, right, those five games, he was on pace for 1,720 yards from scrimmage, 19.2 touchdowns, okay? Last year, he finished with 1,777 yards from scrimmage, 14 touchdowns. The bigger concern, in my opinion, is not of Tony Pollard. Like, Tony Pollard is not going to outright steal Ezekiel Elliott's job. It's the offensive line. They're just not an elite group like they were, and they've dealt with a ton of fucking injuries this year. Almost every key... I know Travis Frederick retired, but every other key piece of that line missed games, if not a significant number of games. And when we dive into the actual numbers here, I made this little cute little chart for y'all. Jamal. The Tony Pollard people must be running this fucking software. They don't want me to put it up. So here are Zeke's numbers last four years, including this year, 2020, right? What I wanted to look at was his elusiveness and then the offensive line play to see if, okay, is he is he far less elusive than he was in previous years? Is he actually getting worse? Is he actually getting slower? Or is it the offensive line? You look at the juke rate, and that is basically player profiler's metric for elusiveness. His juke rate this year is higher than it was in 2017. It's just as much as it was in 2019. His PFF elusive rating overall, again, higher than 2017, around where it was in 2018. Like, yards per carry has dipped down. Yards per carry is almost a direct number correlated to the offensive line play. You look at the offensive line play per both player profiler and PFF. The Dallas Cowboys offensive line ranks very good every other year. This year, 23rd per player profiler, 29th per PFF. The point I'm getting at here is this. If you think Zeke is washed right now, then you always thought he was because he's not running any better or any worse than he has been for basically the entirety of his career. And people are, are making Zeke out to be like this 27, 28-year-old washed-up veteran. He's 25 years old. He is the same age as Alvin Kamara. He's the same age as Dalvin Cook. He is younger than Derrick Henry. He is younger than Austin Eckler. He is younger than Aaron Jones, than Chris Carson, than James Conner, than Philip Lindsay. He's not like Todd Gurley, where he has these degenerative knee problems, okay? Where uh, at 25, 26, with the workload that Zeke's had, you'd start to get worried. But he has been, relative to his workload, Zeke has been one of, if not the most durable running backs in the NFL since coming in in 2016. I know this is an unpopular take, but next year, they know what, you think they're going to give him this type of contract and then 
you know, 12 months later, be like, we're replacing you with your backup who's on a rookie contract. Not going to happen. Tony Pollard, yes, maybe he earns his way into more touches. And this could just be from a more creative offense, right? One of these wide receivers, something's got to give here. Maybe they move one of the wide receivers in the offseason and Tony Pollard gets more snaps in the slot or some shit like that, right? He was a weapon at Memphis. Zeke is the game finisher. He's the guy who gets 20 plus carries. He's the guy who gets the goal line carries, okay? 25 years old. He's not 26. He's not 27. He's not 28. That's what 25 means. It means you're not the other fucking numbers, okay? So it's an unpopular take right now, just because Tony Pollard is so good in fantasy when Zeke is off the field. And again, this is this is not me arguing Zeke versus Tony Pollard, because that's not the way fantasy works. It's the Dallas head coach, the Dallas coaching staff, the, da- the Dallas offensive scheme versus fantasy players, okay? What you think about Tony Pollard versus Zeke doesn't matter. Tony Pollard has been fucking awesome. He's been electric. This is nothing. This is not shitting on Tony Pollard whatsoever. He's been one of, if not the most elusive running back since he's came into the league. He's like really, really fucking good. He's almost like the Austin Eckler-ish type uh, in a limited role. But Zeke is still the guy that they're going to fucking thump 20 times a game, okay? He was on pace to have a monster season before Dak went down, before all the offensive line injuries. He did it last year. Like the wash numbers can easily be attributed to what's going on around the Dallas Cowboys offense overall, okay? So if you own Zeke, you're not selling him at a very low point right now. If you sold him, you know, eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, where like his value was still very fucking high, that's fine. I'm not saying like he's someone that you must fucking have on your team. He's obviously not like a top five pick in dynasty startup drafts anymore, but I think his value is going to plummet really, 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 really low to the point where you're still getting a low end RB1 for the next like two years, three years. And I think that's something worth almost trading for this offseason. Okay. So that's my fucking bit. It's my fucking bit because everyone's just going nuts about Tony Pollard. Great player, really exciting, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is how they want to use Zeke going forward. David Montgomery is the last guy I'm going to touch on. He will be one of the most polarizing offseason debates this year. You can already tell. You can already tell the arguments are going to start early and they're going to be fucking often when it comes to David Montgomery. It is the people who love the athletics in terms of the measurements and things like that. And then there will be people who are like, Terry Cohen was hurt, and that's where all the opportunity came from. If they add anything into this backfield, like he's getting an unbelievable amount of opportunities right now, but he's not just been a volume play. He's been wildly fucking efficient. Uh, so this is not a take right now on David Montgomery. I, I haven't really done enough research or watched enough film on him to think whether or not I really like him next year or if I don't like him next year, because right now he is the RB6 in fantasy on the season, averaging 25 fantasy points per game over the last four games. None fewer than 22.8. He is a legitimate, those are legitimate league winning fantasy numbers. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be a league, this tight end's going to be a league winner. He's averaging like 11 points per game. That's what it takes to get the label of a league winner in the playoffs for tight ends. That doesn't fucking move the needle whatsoever. But 25 fantasy points per game is what wins you championships in the playoffs. 33 touches yesterday, a career high. Just the second time in his career, he's had over 25 touches in a game. 29 games, this is the second time he's had over 25 touches. 32 for 146, two touchdowns on the ground, catches a pass for 16 yards. And you're like, when is this going to end? When is this fuckery going to end? Now I have to play against DeMont in the championship. They get the Jacksonville Jaguars next week. It's not going to get any better. Well, it'll continue to get better for DeMont owners. It'll keep keep getting worse for people playing against him. Jacksonville, <clears throat> number three and fantasy, fantasy points allowed to the running back uh, position on the year. Number two, fantasy points allowed to running backs over the last five weeks. Number one, fantasy points allowed to the running back over the last three weeks. On paper, you're going to win your league's paper if you have DeMont, okay? From weeks one through 11, Chicago had the single highest pass-to-run ratio in the NFL. They were passing the ball on 66% of their plays. Number one in the NFL, Mitch Trubisky, when he took Mike over the job in week 12, that number has dropped all the way down to 56%, which is bottom 10 in the NFL. So they went from a pass-heavy team to a run-heavy team. Obviously, that is a small sample size. It's only four games. So a game like yesterday, where David Montgomery runs the ball 30-whatever times, that's going to skew it a little bit. But still, you could see the offensive shift a little bit, and they're starting to trust David Montgomery more and more getting into the winter. They don't trust their quarterbacks, obviously. Mitch has thrown the ball like 22 times a game since he's come bike over as a starter. Which is pretty obvious what they're trying to do. They are seven and a half point favorites against Jacksonville next week. Good game script. David Montgomery to the motherfucking moon. Woo! 
What's good, people? What the fuck is good? All right. Let's take some questions. Who will be better? I like this question, ambiguity. I'm starting to think about Dynasty already. I wanted to start on my 2021 draft rankings just to see where I liked guys, but they don't have them available yet. Who will be the better running back in 2021? Swift, CEH, Dobbins, or Jacobs? Uh, I think that Swift and Dobbins will be the highest drafted of the four. Uh, I think both of those guys will go wildly close to each other when it comes to ADP. I think both of them will probably end up being like in the... Here's what's going to happen. Swift and Dobbins will start the offseason as uh, high-end second-round picks in like the 12 to 16 range. They will continue to move up as things happen in that in those teams. And I think you'll start getting people who get cute and like Swift and Dobbins you'll see in some of the drafts start to go as high as like six, seven, eight. That that will be the roller coaster trend of, of these rookie running backs. Uh, I, I trust Jacobs the least out of those out of those guys ceh is going to be an interesting case study as well i think he'll be a really polarizing player to argue with argue about uh for next year so i think ceh drops into i think ceh and jacobs will probably be right near each other uh in the back end of the second round maybe early third round probably probably more so back end second but i think uh swift and dobbins will probably settle in like the 8 to 12 range in redraft next year Maybe maybe a little bit lower, given that I guess wide receivers will probably be in the way there, but skirt. Was good. Hello, hello, hello. I'm thirsty. I'm sweaty. I got a heat a heat patch on my on my fucking bike right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Keenan Allen or Kittle for 2021 keeper. What do y'all think? Uh, I'll probably take Keenan Allen there, man. I just think him and... Him and Herbert are going to do some fucking magic for the next couple of years. How high does Justin Jefferson go next year? High. Very fucking high. Uh, I would say the latest I think he'll start. I, the, when all is said and done, I think Jefferson, the latest he'll go is early third round. So maybe like the 3-1, three, 3-2. Three, I, think, I think he'll settle in to like the back end of the second round though. Thoughts on Miles Sanders this week? Yeah, listen, you fucking put him back into your lineup. It's the Cowboys. The opportunities were there. The guy just can't get in the fucking end zone. He gets stuff on the goal line like 72 times. Every time they get on the two or one yard line, they have a penalty that moves them back to the seven. Uh, just a couple unlucky breaks. Still getting an unbelievable amount of work. Wish they would throw the fucking ball to him more. It's like, oh, first drive of the game. Let's just throw him a little screen pass. 26 yards. Let's never target him again. Love that. Pollard this week again, absolutely. DJ Moore, Jalen Hurst, I don't know. I can't do sit starts already. I'm still thinking about recapping this week. I don't know the matchups. I don't know the cornerback wide receiver matchups. Where would you draft Ridley in a startup next year? Ridley is going to be an interesting case too. And uh, Ridley, I think, should be a very fucking high pick. Ridley should be a very high pick because he proved how good he'll be without Julio. Like a lot of players not necessarily fall off, but they don't, they don't get stronger when their top wide receiver goes out. Calvin Ridley like elevates his game to a, to an elite fantasy wide receiver status in games when Julio's not playing. Like Calvin Ridley is so fucking good. You just basically, uh, you just basically plug him in for six for a hundred and probably a touchdown almost every fucking game. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how, I don't know many wide receivers that I would place above him in, in startup drafts. The only thing working against him realistically is that he came in as a uh, an older prospect. So he'll be like 26 when a lot of these like young guys, like, you know, you'll be siding between like Calvin Ridley or like Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lambs, and those guys are like 21. So while I think you'll get better out of the gate production with Ridley, it's kind of like a longevity thing. You know, who would you rather have on your team longer? But I've started to come more around to the fact that like, just give me the production that we know is going to be there for two or three years. 
uh, rather than just like betting on hopeful ceiling. We already ha- we already have the f- we're at the ceiling. We've climbed the fucking ladder. We're not at the bottom of it. Uh, I'm going to make a free agent video. I'm going to make a free agent video once the season ends. Once like week 16 wraps up, when week 16 wraps up, I'm going to start doing, uh, I'm going to start doing things looking forward a little bit, obviously like dynasty rookie. I'm going to do, uh, probably like top five or 10, um, free agents for fantasy this this upcoming offseason like chris godwin's obviously a free agent a lot of guys that are free agents that will make a big impact so stay tuned for that aj brown top five wide receiver in redraft next year uh what do you think let's see we have we have Devonte adams we have tyreek hill we have i would think i would think aj brown like has to be up there I think like DK, depending on like Julio Calvin situation, DeAndre, ah, he might not sneak into the top five just because I feel like um, people are still going to be more comfortable with like Stefan Diggs, his target totals, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I would say AJ Brown probably, AJ Brown's going to end up being like a, a ridiculous value as like the seventh or eighth wide receiver off the board. Like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, D-Hop, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown is in that tier, Keenan Allen in that tier. Like a lot of guys that have wild upside. Next year's redraft is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Things things swung back into favor of wide receivers. I'm going to clip that. I'm gonna, I remember I talked about a lot of it this offseason where I was like, there was 25 wide receivers that finished with 1,000 yards last year, and that's the highest number since like 1970. So everyone thinks it's a really deep wide receiver group with no high-end talent and everyone's going for running backs. And then this year things, you know, the market always evens itself out. So we're going to get some more high-end talent at wide receiver going into next year's draft. And that's when running backs will be at really good value. This year, like the strategy was to get your running backs early and often, but it was really hard because everybody was doing that. Next year, what's going to happen is all the wide receivers are going to move up in drafts because they're coming off a big year running backs value are going to be plummeted a little bit. And I think that's, we run that fucking strategy right bike with much better value in our drafts. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, for injury updates here, here's what I would do guys. Obviously like I'm only technically a doctor. So what I want you to do, go follow, go follow the, fantasy doctors on youtube they're literally putting out like on the minute live injury videos when shit happens so they'll give you like a one to two minute breakdown of what happened what they think how serious it is so the fantasy doctors on youtube you could also always go over to profootballdoc.com it's uh dr chow who was like the the chargers doctor for a while uh he does a lot of content now so i would just like bookmark profootballdoc.com i think as soon as long as you sign up with an email it's free and you can get all of his injury statuses for that and then, uh, and then follow some other guys on, on Twitter that do like the doctor update shit. So, um, fancy doctors, profootballdoc.com. Those are obviously the best sources to stay up to date with. Like, obviously I try to feed y'all as the middleman, but I only get my information from them. Once my practice is up and running and, uh, and I'm treating these athletes personally one-on-one, y'all will have the inside scoop from me. Okay, 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 okay. See Mac come and bike this week. I have no fucking idea. My gut, my gut feeling is no. My gut feeling is no. Unfortunately, but I don't. I have no fucking idea. No idea. Doctor Moore spits out videos like they're raising oatmeal cookies. You, thought. <laughs> that's pretty funny. It's a good line. Uh, yeah, that guy's out of control. Like no, literally, no one works harder. And it's good. I'm I'm fucking happy for him. I'm like, it's paid off. I know he was like a little upset last year in the last two years, how hard he was working and like not really seeing growth, but now they kind of popped off. And uh, it's a testament to, to how fucking hard that man is working. 
book two Super Bowl stoked all thanks to this guy. Yeah, not, not don't 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 thank me. Don't thank me, please, because I make plenty of terrible fucking decisions and give plenty of terrible advice. So I don't want to get yelled at for things I say. I just want to do the yelling. Um, but y'all did. I mean, you made the fucking sit start decisions all year, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I I appreciate the thank yous, but I, I would I would thank you, bike, for doing well. Up twenty nine point six three. My opponent is Big Ben. Left. Do you think I've secured a dub? Uh, I mean, I would feel pretty fucking good. Yeah. I don't. I, what has Big Ben topped that number maybe once this year? I'm in a league up fifty right now, and my opponent has Big Ben and and Chase Claypool. So I'll be rooting along with you for for a dud game from Ben. JT redeem his high draft spot. Where you rank him now with the other running backs? Uh, I think he'll be in that exact tier. With uh, we honestly might see another fucking huge run of running backs next year and and redraft too. The whole f- the first two rounds are going to be fucking stacked. Good touch on the BDGE MTV typeface hoodies, by the way. Yeah, those things are fucking clean. I love those. I got I think like three of them sampled coming my way, but I haven't got them yet. I'm pumped to get them though. Miles Sanders this week, yes sir. All right, I'm uh, I am out of here. I'm out of here for the last and final waiver. Any of y'all play in week 17? Any of you guys have championships in week 17? Like, I feel like kind of a fraud for like not doing week 17 because like I've done everything from the spring through week 16, and then I just stop because I'm just like fuck this noise. I just figure no one does. Me, oh, a lot of people do, huh? Mr. Yang, look at Zayman. I have championship week 17. I got one in a bar league. I do. Shit. The two-week ship. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll roll back on here for, for a quick little week 17 waiver wire recap then. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. If I, if I go out on Saturday and I get like, if I'm hungover, I'm, you probably ain't going to get shit from me on Monday. Maybe it'll come Tuesday. I don't know. All right, y'all. I'm out. Hit that thumbs up if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening via the ear holes. Leave a rating and review. That would be fantastic. And good luck in y'all's championships. I'll see y'all. Actually, I don't know if I'll see y'all tomorrow because we're not doing a rest of season rankings video. But you will. Ooh, hey. How you doing? Um, uh, the... The rest of the season rankings or the this week's rankings, y'all can obviously find on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash BDGE. You'll get access to the weekly live streams that we do on Saturday. We will, um, we will, what the fuck will we do? Sorry, I got a text message and now I'm just, now I'm just not focused anymore. Skirt. Um, okay, sorry, I'm out. I love you. I really do. Except for some of y'all. I hate y'all. How do I even end this fucking thing? I'm a mess.